Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode here on Let It Grow Investing. And uh, thank you, as always, for stopping in to have a chat here with me as to what's going on with the market and ultimately what's happening with our money. So uh, we've had a lot of different updates this week. We're looking at CPI, PPI, uh, some different updates from the market. And uh, we're really trying to take all of this in stride as to really what's going on out there after that revision from the uh, December CPI numbers, they got revised from a negative 0.1 tenth of a percent up to 0.1% positive. So they did get revised higher and on the plus side. Uh, and that kind of set us up for this uh, CPI report here today on the 14th on Valentine's Day. And uh, ultimately, those numbers came in hotter than expected as well. Uh, so the uh, January CPI released by the Bureau of Labor Statistics showed prices rose half a percent in the first month of the year and 6.4% on an annual basis. Uh, so that is definitely showing us that this trend of that rising inflation, what the Fed is doing is not enough. And I've heard a lot of calls of people saying, you know, rip the Band-Aid off, get the job done. But, you know, it's not that simple, right? They, they might have waited too long to get going. They might have done a little too little to begin with. Uh, but then, you know, those full point raises were definitely, you know, pretty, pretty uh, impactful to the market, if you will. So I don't think that they just wanted to go in and do some unprecedented move like raising three points at one time. Uh, you know, the 1% moves were definitely good. I think the quarter point moves might not have been enough, especially in the beginning. They, they knew they had a job to do. And uh, that's kind of showing right now. Maybe these 25 basis point moves are not enough. So. At the same time, I don't want to shock the market. If they go and do a you know one and a half, 200 basis point move, the market is just going to collapse on that news. And uh, ultimately, that's what they want uh, to slow the market, to slow the money down. But you know, it's really at a, a fine line of how much catastrophe and damage do you want to cause in order to get to the, the end goal of having that inflation at that 2% number. So you know, we're really looking at... Uh, you know, these revised numbers from December higher. We're looking at the numbers higher in January. And uh, where are we here? Bloomberg consensus estimates that called that uh, a 6.2% rise in CPI over the year and a jump of half a percent month over month. Uh, we've also got uh, new seasonal adjustments. Yeah, we talked about that, the 0.1% the monthly drop uh, in inflation that ultimately got raised. A uh, forecast called for a five and a half percent annual increase and a four tenth of a percent monthly rise in the core CPI reading. So these numbers are definitely scary. Uh, I'm looking over at the uh, BLS.gov and looking at CPI right from the government and right uh, seeing what is causing these major uh, price rises. Right. And uh, when I'm looking at all items, yes, it's at six, six point four percent. The food items, that is still the big driver. And uh, we're looking at egg prices up 70% year over year. That is just astonishing. And uh, that's kind of the, the the main thing that is really driving these numbers is uh, these food prices. 
Uh, food at home still up 11.3% on that 12 month basis. Food away from home up 8.2%. And, uh, you know, the, the piece of the puzzle of the eggs is definitely, you know, kind of eye opening as to what's going on out there. But I think that is that high um, cost of one good. You know, that one is definitely pulling up a lot of things. It's not to say that everything is up 70%, but on average, 11% is is definitely something that is, um, you know, really troublesome. We've got cereal and bakery products up 15.6%. Meat, uh, poultry, fish, and eggs total uh, at 8.1%. Dairy and related products, 14 Food and vegetables, 7.2. Non-alcoholic beverages, uh, 13.1. And then that other food uh, increases is 13.2. I'm kind of surprised that meat, poultry, fish, and eggs is the second uh, lowest category at that 8.1%. That is definitely surprising to me. But um, yeah, so we've got these uh, these rising numbers that are just really, um, really getting baked into this market. And as I said last time, you know, having more jobs than originally anticipated on that last uh, labor read is certainly uh, messing with the market and uh, the CPI report and uh, really what the Fed's next move is going to be doing or what their next move is going to be is also going to mess with the market. So I'm definitely watching this once a day. And when the uh, the market did uh, take in the CPI numbers, we had a sell-off, right? We had the Dow go down the uh, the most. I think it went down around uh, 200 points. But uh, ultimately, it looks like let's do a, a quick market update where we are right now. And it's about 241 on uh, on Tuesday here. So the Dow has since come back. We are down 61 points, only about 0.18%. Uh, the NASDAQ actually moving higher by about 60 points at 11,950 uh, in the S&P above that 4100 level uh so that is actually a gain of about 5.7 uh, points on the day so we take all this into consideration right um you know this negative news having that cpi number higher than expected ultimately uh was cause for concern but um uh, i think everyone already knew the areas that was going to be driving these inflation numbers higher that was food and I mean, that's been kind of the meme, kind of the buzzwords on, on the internet right now, as you know, you can't afford eggs. That's how uh, you're living in luxury. You're having uh, eggs for breakfast or you're baking with them, whatever. So I, I think everyone kind of already knew where those numbers were. We didn't know that we were going to get that positive read, but uh, ultimately that's what it is. But the market is kind of shrugging it off. And I can kind of say that that is a bullish sign. We're still above that 4,100 level on the S&P. We're trending higher on the day by a very small amount, but um, I really think that the market is looking forward. We are looking past this noise right now. We came from this place of being oversold. Uh, I think the market really wants to just kind of churn higher. We don't really want to go back to where we were, even though a lot of uh, analysts are still saying, I think it might have been, been Goldman, don't quote me on that, uh, said we still have like 21 to 26% down that we could go. And uh, that's definitely true. We could definitely see some some more problems. You know, we've got uh, more balloons being shot down over the past uh, eight days. It's now four of them. Uh, we've got more problems in Russia. You know, the um, embassy is telling all the U.S. citizens to get out or there's a good chance that they might get falsely arrested. So there's a lot of other problems that could uh, surface back into the market. We could see a lot of other kind of ugly things rear their heads 
uh, that we might have to ultimately, you know, put a pause on the market. But right now, uh, I think the market's in fairly decent shape and we are looking forward past all these problems. And really knowing that, uh, you know, I think we've got through a lot of the, the worst of what the problems were. Uh, the, you know, the transitory times of the times of the super high inflation that we couldn't tame, at least we're doing something about it now. And, uh, you know, the Fed, while they were light uh, to start, they might have been doing not enough in some people's eyes. They, they needed to rip that Band-Aid off and ultimately fix the problem. Uh, we're, we're getting there. And I mean, I know 6.4% and 11.3% on food year over year is hurting everyone, but we do have strong jobs, um, you know, more than I think we thought we were going to have at that 180,000 uh, ad versus that five and a quarter, whatever we posted uh, a couple weeks back. That's definitely a strong news. And uh, hopefully that uh, people can start reining in the spending. I think that's a lot to do with it. We're spending, we continue to spend on these items. And ultimately that is driving these inflation numbers up. So, um, I guess in my in my mind right now, I really like uh, where we could possibly be at the second half of this year. I'm still bullish on the market. I'm not going to say that we can't have any downward trading. I'm not going to say that this 4100 line is going to hold forever. But I do think that uh, there are brighter days ahead, even though they might be cloudy in the in the interim. Uh, we definitely have some brighter days ahead as far as. Uh, a good majority of stocks. And that being said, I, I did say that um, the S&P 500 is overvalued for the backdrop. And uh, like I said, also, we've got some some names that are trading below those historic values. And you really got to take a, a fine tooth comb to find them. You really want to be looking at all those PEs, the price uh, earnings growth numbers, price to sales, and really kind of come up with the names that are in a good spot that can really weather this storm. Uh, and that's kind of tricky, you know, because when we have these high inflation numbers, uh, you know, that is a, kind of a sign that we want to have our money outpace that inflation, right? If we have 6% in inflation, we need to be making 7 or 8% or higher in order to really have our money stand the test of time. And if we can't do that, it's, uh, it's definitely a tricky situation. But at the same time, we don't want uh, these growth stocks because the cost of money has gotten so expensive that these smaller companies simply can't uh, just make money come out of nowhere and uh, really keep growing. So we're, we're at a, a very fine line of what's going to give us 6%, uh, what's going to survive the storm, and what's going to not have to have so much cash. They need or need to borrow cash. They need to have cash on hand in order to do so. So that's a that's a very fine line. That's why we're really watching what this soft landing talk might be. Just a lot of different things, a lot of different moving parts. And that's why I kind of look back at uh, the, the historic valuations of, of a lot of these companies. I am looking at tech because a lot of those tech names have gotten sold off so hard. Uh, I am looking at some of the different down names that really haven't rallied along with the rest of them and might be trading sideways right now. And uh, I do like the safety of having those healthcare stocks, the consumer staples. Uh, they might be trading a little bit rich, but at the same time, we know that everyone's going to need healthcare and we've got to eat. So food, housing, shelter, safe plays, utilities might not be fast growers, but they are safe. Uh, another thing that I'm seeing right now is the six-month treasury bill is just over 5% right now. 
And um, I don't have anything in the way of treasury bills. So I did have to do a little bit of research on this one. But uh, if you are looking to get into treasury bills, definitely do some research on them. Uh, and I'm looking at Forbes advisor right now, just Forbes.com. And it says, uh, if you're looking at low risk investments, one of your first choices should always be the U S treasury securities backed by the full faith and credit of the U S government. And, uh, you can buy them directly at, uh, I believe it was treasury direct. Now I can't find it. Of course, treasury direct.gov. It might've been, um, I'm, I'm sure if you just Google treasury bills, you can find where to buy them. Uh, you would have to set up an account right on the uh, the government's website, and uh, you would be getting that 5% return. So that is definitely another option that's out there. If you're not want to just sit in cash, you can put your money into a treasury bill. Yes, you're only getting 5%, but it is a very, very safe 5%. And again, you're getting outpaced by inflation at 6.4%, but it is still a safe play. If you want to be somewhat in cash, um, you know, but also have your money growing with the market. So those are some different things that I'm looking at right now. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about as it's, uh, I don't know, 60 some degrees in February in the mid-Atlantic, which is unseasonably warm, um, is definitely diversity. And th this one might be a little little uh, tricky to talk about to people that aren't related or their work doesn't relate to the weather so much. But for me, when I'm looking at a 60 degree February, that means I am having a hard time finding work in the way of landscape hasn't quite started. Snow removal is is pretty much done for the year. We didn't really have a winter, but uh, it is definitely something where you want to be diversified in your portfolio. Um, you know, these these swings in the market or whether you're in strictly tech stocks or growth stocks, uh, Dow stocks whatever you're in, you want to have that money spread out. Uh, because like the weather for me, you know, if you go through this spell of not having weather that's conducive, conducive to the work that you do, or not having the stocks that are in, in flavor on Wall Street in that given point in time, you're going to have a hard time making any kind of real money. So I guess in, in one way, I'm very happy that my, my dividend stocks are paying me to hold on to them. But uh, at the same time, I would like to be doing some work with the, all the money and equipment that I put into to working with the business. So it's definitely troublesome out there right now. But uh, when I think of the amount of work that I have um, in basically my snow contracts are set up a couple different ways. I'll, I'll try to branch off not too far from the path here. But you either have uh, something where you are getting paid for the, the work that you do, the hours you put in or a flat rate for X amount of snow or you could have a seasonal contract, right? You get paid, um, say, $5,000 to service this site for the winter, right? Now, in years past, I have had those. And if it gets above a certain amount of snow, uh, you're you're kind of getting really thin on the amount of money you, you're making. And in this environment, you would be doing very well. But uh, it seems like a lot of people are trying to get away from these type of contracts where it's a flat rate for the year, and really go to a per service type event um, contract. So I know there are some people out there that are getting paid to sit at home and have all their equipment sit. Uh, unfortunately, this year for me, it's not that way. I don't have any flat seasonal contracts. So it is definitely a, a time where I am just ready to get back to work and um, you know, kind of make sure that next year I am a little bit more diversified in my contracts, try to find some that want to take on 
a flat seasonal rate for the year. But uh, that is basically what I'm saying in your investments as well. I don't want you to be all in on one type uh, or one industry. Uh, I'd rather see a diversified portfolio that's going to have a mix of um, you know, stocks, bonds, if you're at that age where you're trying to buy bonds, real estate, uh, different investments, things that are all going to be paying you passively in order to get to where you're trying to go. So uh, kind of with that being said, uh, I just really want you to evaluate what you've got. Uh, maybe make a, a note to yourself of what stocks are in healthcare, what stocks are in energy or tech, and try to balance out what your overall portfolio looks like. And make sure you're not too exposed to any one area, knowing that uh, you know if tech falls off, you might get uh, get burned in the fire kind of thing. So uh, just make that evaluation now. Uh, come up with a plan to really uh, where you want to put your money for this year or for the next 5, 10 years, and ultimately where you need it to grow to in order to build that plan. And really follow the the steps that you're laying out, knowing that... Uh, you really have a have to have an end goal in sight as to where you're going to be, when you need to get there, and uh, the steps you're going to take along the way. So, uh, with that being said, I'm going to take a quick break, and we are going to uh, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about some more stocks, uh, and we're also going to talk about the investing challenge. So, stick around. I'll be right back. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. And uh, if you do need help getting started on your investing journey, I do have some links in the description to help get you going. And uh, those are for Crypto.com, Binance, Webull, where we're doing the investing challenge for 2023, uh, as well as E-Trade. Uh, E-Trade is where I'm doing the majority of my investing. And uh, you can open up brokerage accounts, custodial accounts for your children or uh, grandkids even, and uh, a, a retirement account. So I've got a bunch of different things over there. You can access all of them, uh, all your accounts on one easy platform. So I definitely like E-Trade for that. But uh, the the Webull account is really nice in the way that uh, you can do the fractional shares. And uh, when you use uh, my link and put in as little as $1, you can uh, get up to $30,600 of uh, fractional shares that they randomly select and give you uh, over there on Webull. Now you do get 12 fractional shares just for putting in a dollar. But the uh, the dollar amounts and the the stocks are randomly selected, so kind of a lottery. But you do win simply for putting in one dollar. So definitely nice over there. Uh, now uh, going forward, I did want to get into um, some different stocks that have been uh, lagging behind a little bit here, but uh, they did just have a earnings report, and now this one is one that I've been in since early twenty one, and uh, it's been a bit of a wild ride. We've uh, we've definitely had. Uh, uh, a, basically a, a come down from some of these highs from some of the, the peaks in the market. But uh, this name is Palantir. Uh, the ticker is PLTR, if you're following along. And, um, you know, this one has been kind of uh, elusive to find out really what they're all about, how much they are are doing here, there, and everywhere, and really what their projects are. They do a lot of work with the government, uh, with their Gotham and Foundry uh, product line, and the the amount of a uh, cyber tech that they have going on out there, but um, the good thing here is no one really ever thought that they were going to get to the point of profitability. Well, they finally did it. They're finally profitable for this quarter for the first time ever, and that has had this stock run up nineteen point three percent on the day. Now, uh, definitely nice to see they did uh, 
definitely see a, a, a big roar in their uh, stock price after this earnings. And uh, they've reported rev revenues in line. Their their guide of the Q1 is revenues below consensus, but their, their guide for the fiscal year 23 is also below consensus. But they are saying that it's going to be profitable. So that is the first time that we are seeing a profitable year for Palantir. Uh, so definitely something that I am bullish on long term. Uh, let's check what the analysts say on Palantir right now. And currently it does have a uh, minus 6.64 uh, downside on this stock for a average price target of 850. Now I'm going to say that a lot of these are from uh, previous reports. So we do have a buy rating that came out today, two sell ratings that came out today. Um, so there is still uh, Raymond James being bullish on this one with a, a price target of 15, but the sell ratings are at five and $6. So um, maybe they don't think that they're going to ever get to that whole profitability uh, point that we, we were kind of just talking about. But um, there are a lot of older price targets saying that this one is uh, overvalued currently, but that was also without this earnings report. So I'm still watching this one cautiously, and uh, I know that it is strictly a long-term speculative play for me and uh, one that I hope can get back to some, some real gains, some real profitability, and uh, really define what they're doing going forward. So I'm definitely watching that uh, as well as some other stocks today. We are certainly seeing a kind of a mixed picture out here. And uh, one of the things that I did end up selling a little bit of was Lockheed Martin. Now I had a sell uh, limit on this one at four, uh, where are we? It was 485. Now uh, that triggered yesterday. I believe we got up to 486. Now today it's sitting at 481.64, which, you know, that's short-term news. Yes, I, I sold it. Uh, now it's since dropped, which is, which is okay. But, you know, you zoom out and it's, uh, I still think got some room to run. But with all the things that have happened in the last year, year and a half with all the different wars, all the different uh, uh, defense problems that we've had, all the different uh, dis defense spending that's been going on. Uh, I thought, you know, this one might have run up a little bit too high. And I really want to deploy some of this capital into some other names. Uh, so when I'm looking over at Lockheed, let's just take a look. And I still do have a large chunk of Lockheed. Uh, PE's at 22, not too crazy. Uh, quarterly dividend of two and a half percent. Um, what's analyst research saying over here? Let's take a look on that. And, uh, yeah, this, this chart is looking really nice and, uh, their average price target is $500 right now. So about 3%, uh, almost 4% of upside from where we are right now. Now, um, really what drove me to sell this one is I, I just think that it has really run up too much, uh, over maybe the, the past year or so from, uh, even October of 21, I'm looking at a low of about $332. So we've run up about a hundred and uh, 150 bucks roughly in the course of uh, what, about uh, 18 months, give or take. And uh, so that is definitely a, a massive run on this one. But I think a lot of the uh, the defense spending that has happened over the past year is uh, has certainly helped this one. Uh, really rocket higher. But I, I think at some point we we need to take a little bit off the table. And uh, for me, this was a good time to take a little bit off the table on this one and kind of redistribute uh, some of these funds into some other names. Um, so what am I buying right now? Well, some of this I did transfer over to 
my uh, retirement account. And over there, I invested into some higher dividend stocks, uh, MPW, uh, Medical Properties Trust, and ABR Arbor Realty. So those are some higher yielding stocks. Uh, just for conversation's sake, I'll take a look at MPW, see what it's paying right now. 9.4% uh, at a 5.9 PE. And uh, we've talked about that one a good bit. I still think that they are uh, in a good spot, just uh, trading down with some of the broader real estate market. Uh, ABR currently yielding 10.67%. So I'm in both of these in a re or excuse me retirement account for the fact that I'm not going to get taxed as heavily on these uh, dividends that they're going to be paying. So that is why I put them in a tax sheltered account uh, in order to really kind of mitigate some of those dividend uh, you know payments that I would have to pay on tax time. Uh, so what else did I do with this uh, the sale from Lockheed Martin? Um, well, I still have some open orders on ChargePoint. Uh, what did I end up buying? I did buy a little bit of PayPal. Um, so I, I still think that you know PayPal has a lot of room to grow. Uh, did actually end up purchasing some ChargePoint and some CrowdStrike and some Neo. I'm still bullish on those. I think some of those are uh, um, you know kind of prime for the picking right now. CrowdStrike has definitely sold off too much in my opinion. Some of those uh, uh, numbers that are or indicators that we look at on CrowdStrike were definitely favorable. And uh, NEO was also looking at that bottom of the trading range that it's been in, that it's been kind of trading between $10 and $13. And uh, I went ahead and bought some more of that as a bullish trend was uh, was breaking out on NEO. Uh, so uh, when I'm looking at NEO over the past, uh, let's see the past month, it's, it's definitely at that bottom of the range right now. Year to date isn't going to do much better. Uh, a little bit better. And we're we're getting close back to those lows from the beginning of the year at 960. And today it's ten dollars and twenty cents. But it did get up to about twelve seventy-one. So I'm hoping that uh I can get in at that that bottom price and eventually uh really have that uh, that long term growth channel. But uh I do think that you know uh the, the Chinese stocks are still very speculative. They're de they're definitely hard to play. And uh, in, in some ways, you're, you're kind of playing with fire. But uh, on this one, I, th I think that it could be a market leader in that space. So I uh, did want to go ahead and buy some more of that. I do have some Baidu, which I know they are building another AI competitor to ChatGPT. And that one has really uh, rocketed higher on, on that news. Uh, but this one has been painful. We, we did get down to 73.58 on Baidu. The ticker is BIDU. And, uh, you know, currently we're sitting at 148. So we about doubled in this one in the matter of uh, about three months. So definitely something there uh, worth noting that it was heavily oversold with a lot of the different Chinese stocks still has about eight and a half percent of upside. But uh, one that if you want the, a little bit of international exposure, I think could be a decent play, but definitely do your homework on on Baidu and take all the risks into uh, consideration before investing in in any Chinese stocks right now, they are definitely hard to play. Uh, so that's uh, that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm, I'm just really trying to weigh all my battles here. I still want to build up that dividend income. Uh, and it is nice to have that dividend income uh, tucked away in a retirement account or a tax sheltered account. So that's why I went ahead and put those two names into my retirement account for 2023. Uh, but then we're going to get over to 
our investing challenge for 2023 on the uh, Let It Grow Investing page on Facebook. And um, what do we got? Well, we did buy Verizon on Monday. $200 worth went into uh, Verizon, and uh, that should be paying us about 6.5% on a quarterly basis uh, over the course of a year. We'll be getting that 6.5%. And what do we got for week eight? Uh, week eight, where are we? We've got five different names for you. That's what I normally try to aim for. And first up, Next Era Energy. So a utility company, definitely with focused on uh, solar and renewable energy. Currently has about 28% of upside with a 2.3% dividend. And now this one was oversold um, to where the point where I thought this one was getting... Uh, kind of enticing, right? We, we definitely see some some news on uh, NextEra Energy that point to the fact that uh, this one's going to be around for a long time and uh, getting to the point where it's undervalued or, or trading down. Uh, so I didn't really want to let this one pass. If you look over at the year chart, we did have a low of, uh, of about $67, high of about 91. And uh, we are currently sitting at $76. So we're towards the bottom of that range, but we have set in about a triple bottom right now, which is a uh, bullish sign that these uh, lows have actually come up since um, about May of last year. The next low was higher at uh, $70.64, it looks like. And now this low that we set uh, earlier this month was at 73. So we are in this trading range where the pattern is moving upward. And uh, it does look like we are setting another low at that $73 and we've moved off of that. So I'm definitely bullish on this one. I think it is uh, a good stock long term. And uh, if you do agree with me for Next Air Energy, NEE is the ticker. Go ahead over there to Let It Grow Investing on Facebook and get your vote in for that one. Now, number two is CVS. Now, CVS is actually one that I, uh, I do own some. Uh, but I do own this one in a uh, retirement account. So on uh, CVS, we are currently looking at about 28% upside as well, but you're getting a 2.7% dividend. It has traded well off the highs. Uh, now, that being said, I do think that uh, a lot of the, the pandemic pulled this one up rapidly, and uh, ultimately it is dropping back down in towards uh, that kind of fair value range. And uh, I did add this one this week because I really wasn't uh, too sold on what Walgreens is doing right now. Walgreens was the winner from this time last year, but uh, I do like CVS as well. And the fact that uh, some of their numbers look a little bit more stable. Walgreens is being a little erratic right now. So I didn't really want to rush into that one. But um, I do think that CVS, now that they're coming back down to earth, uh, as far as that stock price is looking, I do think that we got some uh, some definite room to move up, and uh, that upside has actually moved up now to about 30%. So we've got more upside here, and uh, one that I think long-term should treat us fairly well. So that is number two, CBS. Number three, Google. Ticker is G-O-O-G-L, or Alphabet, as I guess I should call it. And uh, Alphabet's looking like we have currently about a 30 where are we 37 and a half percent upside on uh, alphabet 
And uh, with a lot of that news coming out of Microsoft, ChatGPT, uh, a lot of people were getting out of uh, Google or selling down Google, buying Microsoft. But uh, I do think that long term, Google will not let that uh, just slide by. They're going to be fighting for every uh, mar percent of market share on search. I don't think that the uh, the chat GPT is going to run away with Microsoft being business. Um, you know, there's definitely gonna be a fight for it. And Google needs to get their their AI all sorted and, you know, flawless when they uh, launch it. They can't have any more um, problems with what's going on out there for uh the, the apprentice barred when they do actually release it. So that was definitely a uh, black eye on, on Alphabet or Google for uh, last week. But uh, I do think it is some short-term news. I don't think that's a long-term story of Google. And I think when you zoom out, you'd see the same. And that, that chart is definitely nothing to uh, slouch about. So uh, number three, Google, G-O-O-G-L, Alphabet is the, uh, the parent company over there. So number four, uh, is going to be PayPal, ticker P-Y-P-L, and uh, PayPal, right. They uh, they definitely had a, a nice uh, quarter, and they did guide higher. Uh, they also have sold off too much, right? In my mind, coming down from that price point of $308 uh, in June of 21, down to a low of $66 on the 22nd of uh, this past December, we uh, we definitely have some room to go up with a strong uh, strong business, strong customer growth. We've got uh, the PayPal and Venmo, uh, you know, kind of working well together, and uh, I do think we've got a stronger consumer than what we previously thought. We've got uh, unemployment lower than where we thought we were going to be. We've got uh, jobs coming in higher than where we anticipated those. So the backdrop for the consumer isn't as weak as what we thought. They are guiding higher. And uh, I do think that uh, this one is kind of a, a, a sprung coil or unsprung coil to where this one's going to uh, rally higher at some point soon. That is my ultimate feeling. And uh, we have traded down since I uh, saw this news on PayPal last week. But uh, currently, we still do have about 32% of upside on the uh, uh, ticker PYPL and one that I think could uh, really have a lot of upside in the next five years with the uh, the different pr uh, platforms that they're offering. You are getting uh, some crypto exposure with the fact that you can buy crypto on PayPal. You can also do some uh, some different uh, discount shopping on there through the app. And uh, they've got a, a lot of different synergies going for them on some new uh, platforms that they're going to be kind of rolling out and pushing those products as well. So that is going to be number four, PayPal. Uh, number five for this week is going to be Exxon Mobil. Ticker is XOM. And when I am looking at Exxon, excuse me, I've got uh, about 6.8% of upside on Exxon. We've got uh, a low PE, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to add it right now at uh, 8.87. Some of those numbers on the... Uh, historical values. We're also trading under those and uh, we're getting a dividend of about 3.09%. So a lot of different reasons that I do like Exxon. Uh, we do have kind of a, a slowdown right now in oil prices, but uh, I do think with a strong consumer and uh, still that, that demand for travel, we're still going to have a need for a lot of oil and uh, gas products. So I do think that this one is going to remain strong. We've got uh, OPEC and all limiting how much they're producing. So I don't think that we're going to have these prices 
on on oil or on crude dropped very low and uh, demand is going to still remain high. So I'm thinking that Exxon could be a good pick at a decent valuation at uh, 8.87 on that PE basis. And uh, one that we could collect a dividend and see a little bit of growth on. It was probably the, the safest name of this week. Uh, let me take a look. Next era. Uh, yeah, probably probably one of the safer names as far as I'm concerned. I don't really think there's too much downside in any of these names. But uh, I do think that Exxon would probably be considered my safest bet of the week. So if you want to see a safe play, go ahead and vote for ExxonMobil. Ticker is XOM. And if you like any of the other five, uh, any of the other five names that are on this week, we've got Next Era and EE, CVS, self-explanatory, Alphabet, which is uh, G-O-O-G-L, or PayPal, P-Y-P-L. Get over there to Let It Grow Investing and get your vote in. I want to see what you guys have to say. And if you've got any names that you want to see battle it out, for week nine or week 10, uh, go ahead and uh, send them my way. I want to see what you guys think. And uh, ultimately, if we can uh, incorporate those into a uh, investing challenge weekly poll, I'd love to do that as well. So uh, with that being said, that's all I got for you guys today. So uh, let's get out there and make some smart moves and uh, get invested. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.